every generation there is a chosen podcast. It alone will analyze the subtext, the allegory, and the clever Whedon-esque dialogue. It is Conversations with Dead People. to Conversations with Dead People, a post-mortem podcast on the works of Joss Whedon. My name is Paul Smith. I'm your host, and I am typically joined by guests from the worlds of fandom and academia as we make our way through the critically acclaimed series Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off series Angel. Uh, this week we've made it to episodes 413, The Eye in Team, and 414, Goodbye, Iowa. And back with me tonight after far too long i think seven months maybe if my skype window is anything to go by is a uh, michael holland manager of television for warner brothers post-production creative services that's quite a title uh michael <laughs> it's it sounds it always sounds more impressive um, when somebody says it so thank you <laughs> i tried i tried to say it in my authoritative npr yeah. voice um yeah, well thank you so much for uh for coming thank back thank you for having me um, i'm glad i didn't embarrass myself too much last time no, no, it was great. You were great last time. I embarrassed myself every episode, but uh, so you guys always make me look better. Um, so what's been up, man, in the seven months since we last talked? Work, you know, work has been good. Um, we're wrapping up TV shows here. We're um, kind of an exciting thing that I can I can almost say, but I can't talk about is we're working on the Deadwood movie. Oh right man. Now. Uh, for HBO. Oh my gosh, um, I had no idea you were involved in that in any yeah, way. Which is which is super exciting. We're just sort of allowed to to say, yeah, it's coming because the first promo uh, just hit the HBO like site. Yeah. So they're saying it, but that's supposed to hit in May. Um, we hope, but yeah, we're working on that right now. But um, which, is, which is fun, you know. All right. Well, um, that's that's a fun one. Well, uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to Conversations with Deadwood, <laughs> my my podcast all about my excitement for the upcoming revival. That's there not really a revival. It's just a film, right? It's just a movie. It is, it is a, a yeah, a one off feature. OK, yeah. And it is the I assume most of the original cast. I think I've seen a picture. I don't think I've seen the little like promo, but I think I've seen a picture that showed uh, Swearingen and Bullock. Uh, okay have you, are you... I, I, I don't know how much i can say but oh yes, okay you, all right you, well if you've seen a promo of it then you've seen it okay <laughs> I, I i was looking for confirmation i'm pretty sure that's what i saw and so and and i mean ian mcshane never ages which is not entirely true he used to look really young and now he just looks like ian mcshane mcshane all the time so <laughs> swearingen yeah. in the picture i'm imagining that i've seen recently swearingen looked exactly the same whereas bullock looks like he's aged 15 years or whatever it's actually been it's been yeah uh anyways ma'am cannot wait but for yeah, that that's a fun one all right well because i am such a sorry this is a total aside but okay. i am such 
a, a fan of the movie The Last of Sheila, which uh-huh. Ian, which Ian McShane is is probably twenty, maybe twenty five. In <laughs> wow, uh, and it's it's it is weirdly the 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 thing that I always think of him in. Um, I'm like, oh my god, it's Ian McShane from Last of Sheila. But anyway, that's I, a random aside. I don't know if I've ever even heard of that show. Oh, it, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a feature from the '70s. Totally, look it up. Absolute secret gem that you will be blown away by. See, I always think of Lovejoy. Um, oh, yeah. From I think that was the late '80s, maybe. And yeah, he looked uh, looked significantly younger back in then. Back That's in that. And uh, last night, I just finally watched the. Uh, I'm a couple days behind, but I just finally watched the season two premiere of American Gods. Oh yeah, there there he is again. Yeah, with him as uh, Mr. Wednesday, and yeah. you know, how, however, whatever merits or demerits we want to give to the show, and then that's a subject for another conversation. Uh, spoiler alert: I like it. Um, Ian McShane <laughs> as Mr. Wednesday is just spot on casting, and yeah. so I'll never complain about any anything that Ian McShane gets to be on screen for. Yeah, I need to to reread that book. Um, I don't. I don't remember it as well as I should. Yeah, I just said the exact same thing last night. I'm a. I'm a Neil Gaiman super fan, but for whatever reason, I just did not love the book. I did not love American Gods the way that I felt like I should, and the way that virtually everybody else does. Um, but I, I have loved the show, and just last night I was like, when when I was done watching that episode, I tweeted out that you know what, I need to revisit the book and give it another chance because damn it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember enjoying Good Omens as a book more. Yeah. But. yeah. Which is also about to hit the airwaves, apparently. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, unfortunately, uh, neither yeah, Neil Gaiman nor Ian McShane. Have, in general. <laughs> yeah, and, and neither of those two have anything to do with what we're talking about tonight. So uh, let me let me throw the dreaded spoiler warning out there for everybody. Uh, Conversations with Dead People is not a typical rewatch and review podcast. We're going to be exploring the plots, characters, and themes of each episode in depth and within the context of the series as a whole. That means spoilers and lots of them. So I recommend if you haven't already watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series all the way through at least once, press pause, run and do that, come back and join us. This will still be just as fresh and topical when you're done with both of those series as I'm sure it is right now. Uh, and while, uh, while those people run off and do that, Michael, if you're ready, let's go to work. Yeah. All right. So let's start off with, uh, episode 413, the I in team, uh, written by David Fury, directed by James Contner. Um, go um, <laughs> Michael. What'd you think of this one? Um, I, I like it. Um, I'm, I, I'll, I'll weirdly just start off with a with a weird aside about Goodbye Iowa, um, only because it's an it's actually an episode I remember going into, um, and and what I mean is, you know, this is back twenty years when who remembers what the internet was like, but right. info was still pretty scarce, uh, and we were coming off of three years of Angel, or you know Buffy and Angel together, right. so I didn't much care for uh, Riley in that first run. Okay. Um, admittedly, in hindsight, season four overall, but definitely Riley plays a lot better for me. Okay. Um, anyway, I had a friend in WB Marketing, and she'd heard me gripe enough about Riley that she said to me, "Well, there's an episode coming up that I think you might like. It's called Goodbye Iowa." 
And of, of course, I thought, yes, goodbye, Riley. Um, <laughs> um, alas, it was uh, just a goodbye to everything Riley thought he knew. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but so that's that's. I, I just specifically remember this title uh, because of that um, and my, my mild disappointment at the time. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So this is, uh, this is a thing that I'm going to be bringing up all throughout season four and, and into season five, which I was actually, uh, I, I have a listener who is just making their way through Buffy uh, for the f- very first time specifically so they can listen to this silly podcast. <laughs> um, and, oh wow! So and, they're they're getting spoilers. Yes, they are, and and I, I've I've told them many times that uh, they really should watch it all before, but they're like, you know, spoilers don't bother me. But anyways, um, I would I am very embarrassingly they had to remind me because I was having a conversation with them, and I said, well, you know, season four is our goodbye to to Riley, and they were like, um, no, he's he's still in season five. And I was like, yeah. was he? Did yeah. he make it into season five? I had completely forgotten that. So here yeah. I am a fan of the show since it originally aired. And this brand new viewer had to remind me, no, Riley sticks Hello? around for a while. <laughs> <sighs> well, both of these apps, um, and they're really a two parter, uh, I think, um, are the turning point for the season. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that stands out to me is their relative speed. Um, right. A lot like the, the Iron team, a lot happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could have seen this be a longer arc. I mean, yeah. from Buffy and Riley learning about each other at the end of Hush. Um, so call it four episodes, doomed through Iowa. Mm-hmm. But it really does the turning in these two episodes, and their world changes. Um, Buffy's accepted into the initiative. Yeah. Walt turns on her. She and Riley learn of Walsh's betrayal. Walsh is dead. That's that's in one episode. Adam is introduced. Yeah. Then Riley believes that he, oh, yes. And, you know, and we're, and we're coming off of, you know, Ethan having said, you know, hey, 314, we right. learn at 314, we, we meet Adam in, in Walsh's death. Then Riley believes that the initiative isn't all it's cracked up to be. He goes through that withdrawal, including physically, believes in Buffy again. The Scoobies learn of Adam and Buffy, and Adam have their first face to face. And that's all in the second app. It is, it is it is incredibly jam-packed these two yeah um, um in fact i've i think in one of my most recent episodes i was talking about um the particularly with walsh how sort of how there was the potential for walsh to be a more interesting character and for her to have more uh interesting dynamics specifically like with giles yeah. um if the story had had a little more time to just play out at a natural pace. So yeah, I think pacing, I, I happen to enjoy season four more than a lot of people, but I, I am noticing some pacing issues. Yeah. And I, and, and I, I I'm going to say this and I'm going to be quoted because we're recording, but I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember if Lindsay Krause had like a previous engagement or she took another gig and that may have shortened her stint yeah so maybe somebody out there listening can can either verify that or, or not but there is there's something in the back of my head that that may have been part of the of the factor yeah um but uh, I like con, cons with dead at gmail.com or the facebook group 
conversations with conversations with dead people. If anyone has that answer. <laughs> well, I love that that's set up because you see a lot of great uh, conversations on that. Honestly. Yeah. And I like the speed of them. Um, they, um, all that right there could have been a longer arc. And yet I think Joss and company choose to speed right through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the deafness helps it. It keeps us on our toes. Um, it keeps us moving. Um, even Buffy and Riley having sex for the first time. I think it's the first time. Um, yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be the first. Yeah. And I think it works well because it too is, is truncated in this creative way. Um, especially ending with them during the fight with what do you want to do next? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if I, and again, if I'm not mistaken, there's an interesting aside that Joss had said um, one thing he knew he could get away with in hush um, in people not speaking was Buffy and Riley were going to have sex for the first time. Um, oh. But then he realized it was too soon in their story. So it was pushed. Yeah, that would have been pretty early. Yeah, but I but I don't know. Um, season four, I think in general, could have turned into an ending similar to the end of Dollhouse um, or even Captain America Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. you know, with super little group up against big establishment. But, uh, and I like this on Buffy, uh, Joss and company choose to keep the big bad personal um, rather big establishment personified by Adam, um, something Buffy can, you know, Buffy herself can kick, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, um, with, again, the deafness working in our favor. Because um, how far down a rabbit hole of everything I thought I believed is gone, you know, did we really want to go on this show? I think the point is made, and it's made well, and we move back to the kicking. <laughs> um, I, I think I think I think the the tone of the show remains even though they've made that point. Um, and there's you know there's an if I'm now I'm getting down a rabbit hole, but whatever. no, go another go for it. Another interesting aside there. Um, do you know Patrick Willems? Do you know his show on YouTube? I no, it doesn't sound he familiar. Does, he does like an essay, video essay thing on movies and comics, and he's very good. Anyway, okay. He talks about the one Winter Soldier problem being that S.H.I.E.L.D. turns out to be HYDRA. So Cap is essentially once again fighting the Nazis, a foe he already understands and, uh, you know, and we're all on board with being bad. You know, instead of having to deal with the much more real consequence of what if you believed was bad without being untrue. Um and it's just interesting in winter soldier's case, it's kind of a no brainer for cap to turn on them. But in Riley's case, he's dealt an even darker hand because the initiative, all he knows believes follows without question, isn't infiltrated per se, or in our show's case, what could be an out it's it's, it does not end up being supernatural. They just are, that is the status quo. And I think that's a really nice, non-twist um, in this show, if you will. Right. Plus we get Xander in a cap t-shirt. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. Um, is that the second time this season? Oh, maybe. I, I feel like uh, I, D 
details escape me so quickly these days. I feel like in the first episode of season four, when like first or second, whenever we first see Xander come back, it must have been the first episode. Um, I feel like the first time we see him, he's wearing a Captain America T-shirt. I thought I made a note of that, but editing. yeah, and we get. I think we get the stronger than Spider-Man a couple episodes ago, or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Again, that's. I think that's just the deafness of it. I mean, they they're tackling almost similar Winter Soldier themes and they're doing it in you know a third of the time and i don't think any less in fact like to willem's point i think it's interesting here that riley has to go through something that is not outed by an infiltration or being supernatural he's literally just yanked from the only world he knows um and again it's in these two episodes that totally change the season so let's talk about let's talk about riley um i'm glad that you started off by saying that you you were not a fan, but you've warm. I, I don't want to mischaracterize, but you've warmed up to him a little more on yeah. this rewatch, yeah. right? Totally. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and even in, yeah, even before this particular rewatch, but yeah, if you, if you get past, Oh, I was in love with Buffy and angel yeah. for three years and you watch season four and you think about what she's going through and whatever. Yeah. Riley makes sense. I don't dislike the idea of Riley. Yeah, I I just continue. I will maintain uh, until the show or some or one of my guests uh, <laughs> talks me out of it that uh, Riley gets gets a bum rap. I think for most Buffy fans, I feel like um, there's a there's a chapter in uh, Seven Seasons of Buffy uh, by Michelle Cigar West uh, called "For the Love of Riley," and I meant to reread it before <laughs> we recorded this because the subject of how how much of a like should you hate Riley or not is something that I feel strongly about, but yeah. I, I didn't have time, but um, I do recommend, recommend that essay, but I believe I don't want to, I don't want to misquote her. So I will just say my memory is that she talks about how um, the, the two polar opposites of Buffy's romantic life, Angel and Spike are really the only ones that anybody ever talks about. And Riley was sort of the, the uh, lukewarm middle ground between those, but, um, in hindsight, he really is the seems to have been the best guy for her. Yeah. Well, she even says, I think it's in one of these episodes, um, you know, she says, oh, Riley was supposed to be the my normal yeah. relationship. He yeah. was supposed to be my anchor. Um, and and you know, again, to Joss and company's credit, there's always something getting, you know, turned on its head. And, I, you know, I think in a good way, there's that amazing scene. I think it's what Riley and Xander in in his basement. They're moving Xander out of the basement. This is probably season five. Okay. Um, when when sorry, I'm stumbling here, but some somebody says like, "Oh, hey, you know, she really loves you," and 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 Riley looks at him and says, "Hey, I know how she feels about me, but you know, she doesn't love me." Um, huh. And that's coming up. And that was that I remember that being the moment that I went, Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's growing on me. Or I was like, Oh man, they're writing him in a really, really way that he even gets it. Yeah. He's, he's even in the middle of, do we like or not like Riley? I, yeah, I've, I've always felt a certain amount of sympathy uh, or empathy for Riley and uh, like whether or not you, personally feel like he was the best romantic choice or whether or not you just like, I mean, some people claim they have issues with the actor, but you know, whatever. Um, 
I just, I find it difficult to believe that people don't see some level of sort of, I don't know, tragedy written into that character, especially yeah. like in these episodes where we're literally in the space of it, two episodes, 48 hours, whatever it is, he get his entire world changes and he goes through this horrible, like, uh, withdrawal, like chemical withdrawal and yeah. his, his mentor slash mother figure is murdered. And anyways, yeah. It's all crazy. And the idea that uh, what you just said, that Buffy was like, he was supposed to be my normal. He was supposed to yeah. be the, the regular guy. Um, it's ironic that the sort of most, I guess this isn't true. There's still more passion coming in the Riley Buffy relationship for, for a little while, but it starts off with her wanting him to be the normal guy. And that's when the, the heat builds up. But in point of fact, he's not a normal guy right now. Right. He's a super soldier. Yeah. And it's only after this, as he genuinely becomes the normal guy, no longer a super soldier, no longer a member of some secret uh, military organization or whatever. Uh, when he's genuinely normal is when the relationship falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, and, you know, and, and I know how you have your issues with Buffy um, occasionally in general, but that's kind of on her yeah. too. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that because this is, uh, at this point in the, I was going to say at this point in the season, but I feel like this, it's one of the, the themes running throughout the entire season. But, uh, like in my notes, I wrote, apparently we're back to Buffy ignoring her friends in favor of the shiny new relationship du jour. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but that is kind of one of the themes of this season is, uh, how the group is starting to feel fractured and divided and separated and of course by the end of the season the whole point of it is that they come back together but um it is frustrating to watch her uh back in the place where all she wants to talk about is her new boyfriend and she keeps ditching her friends and they feel abandoned and yeah i think one of the nice uh, i keep using the word twist and that's not fair but one of the nice twists on that is that willow while missing um her time with Buffy is also a little bit now miffed because she could have been doing something with her own. Right. Someone. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a nice beat on it. So she's not just whining like, Oh, I want my Scooby time. It's like, Hey, you know, I'm, I would have done something with Tara or I might have invited Tara to this. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a nice moment for her. And I think it's a nice, really, um, just it's it's a continued natural way to build the Willow Terra relationship, um, and we're clearly starting to get into signs that it's more than just spells. Or, or mean, the spells are an entendre. Yeah, the subtext is rapidly becoming text. Uh, yeah, but 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 it's also done, I think, in a really natural way. I don't think we're we're sort of spotlighting their new relationship and we're just watching it build um yeah let's let's uh compare and contrast the two building relationships well i mean riley and buffy have a little bit of a head start on this but still in in this episode in the i and team we get the um buffy's like introduction to the initiative complex is yeah. is it's so clean <laughs> is very unsubtly coded as sex now it's 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 funny i laugh at it but there's also a part of me that kind of rolls <laughs> rolls my eyes deep down inside uh with the 
uh, we can wait if you want to. No, no, I'm ready. I want to do this. Oh my God, it's so big. Well, I don't like to yeah. brag. All that. I mean, that's that's funny. Um, but it's. I think maybe it's just in because that is happening kind of parallel to the uh, the subtextual way that um, they're having to introduce the romance of Willow and Tara. And yeah. as you say, that comes off being very, like, it seems like it's being done very tastefully and subtly. And, uh, but that was network notes. Could have been. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure that I, I, I can't cite anything here, but I'm almost positive that I, I've, I've read that the network was very, very nervous about, you know, overt depictions of, um, same sex at that point. And so the writers were having to, were having to ease really, really slowly into the Willow and Tara thing. Yeah. Cause this is what, 99, 2000, 2000. Yeah. 2000. So I mean, yeah, it's you know, 20 years ago. So I just, I wonder how much of that was the writers kind of having their hands forced to be that way. Um, which, you know, I instinctually, I just kind of push back against that. I'm like, damn it network, just let the writers write what they want to write. Um, yeah. but on the other hand, uh, the, the Buffy Riley stuff here is funny, but not, <laughs> not subtle. Yeah. Uh, whereas, and that's <laughs> the stuff that the writers were allowed to do. Uh, but the, um, the, willow terra stuff is is was forced on the writers maybe if i'm right and uh but it comes yeah, off is, better no i totally agree and, and what's interesting is we get this like you say this really tasteful girl girl and then we get this kind of grown guy girl mm -hmm. um, where it's like oh really i mean we, we already have like the balls poster on the back of the <laughs> i i <laughs> Which I'm like, wow, okay. I continue, yeah. I continue to love. I still have no real idea what it means. Somebody, please, at the Whedon Studies Associate, somebody, there needs to be a Slayage special edition <laughs> about uh, full of essays about why Buffy has a chocolate poster on her door and Riley has a balls post poster yeah. on his. I just yeah. think it's fantastic that that <laughs> exists. But, um. Yeah, so I think it's actually yeah, because we don't even see. I mean, there isn't really a, a big moment until Buffy, uh, Buffy, uh, Willow, and Tara kiss in the body. I think that's oh my the gosh. First is kiss. that the first kiss? I think. Wow. Um. Sorry. Is it? No, no, no. Is uh. Is it the? I, I we're kind of talking about both episodes. I, I'm I'm artificially forcing us to be separated here. But is it? Uh, it is the INT where we get the slow motion fight sex montage. Yeah, right? I think that's yeah. Yeah, that's the first time that we see them. Yeah, okay. Um, which, I, which I'm okay with because, I, like I said, I love that it, it's kind of truncated. And again, I think the deafness kind of works for this little mini movie. Yeah, I, I uh, my my first night when I was first starting to write notes about it, I was like, man, this seems pretty cliche at this point. And I, I think I was thinking at this point in in time, like in present day it's so cliche to see this kind of thing but i think maybe even within the context of buffy i feel like this kind of thing had been done before but i immediately decided that um i there's something about this scene the way it's done that um i i kind of dig yeah. I, first of all i love the music the the music is uh i think the song is oh crap um 
the band is Delirium. I think the song is uh, Window to Your Soul, maybe. But anyways, um, yeah, I just... <laughs> we we see that sort of... Um, there, I'm sure there's a name for it where you're watching two uh, completely different scenes play over each other and they're actually yeah. speaking to each other. I, mm -hmm. But uh, that's done all over the place throughout Buffy, but... And then I think it's it's right there that we we go to um, the really Manchurian candidate kind of thing as Walsh is watching them. Yeah. Oh man. Super super creepy. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, here's uh here's Angela Lansbury watching. <laughs> watching See, <laughs> See, and that's the kind of thing that I feel like um I don't want to harp too much on uh, the season that I wish we had gotten versus the one that we did get, but that's the kind of thing that uh, I kind of wish that element of Walsh had had a full season to play out. Yeah. Um, instead that side, that aspect of Walsh is pretty much just dropped on us in like this couple of episodes. <laughs> Mm -hmm. basically yeah i mean she she and again it's all i mean super fast in these two episodes yeah. but she goes from really the professor where she gets that wonderful kind of opening speech yeah. it's like you know dream in hush mm -hmm. you know we, we actually get to see her be a professor and then all of a sudden in this one it is a 180 and then she's gone yeah and we never we don't well i, I won't say never because i don't remember if i don't remember if walsh is dissected further uh in the rest of the season um i think there's a weird kind of zombie moment with her is there okay at, well point, yeah. but but for the most part i feel like uh we don't get any more like exploration of what her feelings for riley were i mean i think we can we can assume i, yeah. I guess we can extrapolate from her she, you know she tells um, Adam on the slab, uh, you'll make me proud. And then she later tells Riley, uh, Agent Finn, make me proud. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. when he's leaving, she she stops calling him Agent Finn and giving him orders and starts calling him Riley. And she sounds yeah. really distraught. So, I mean, we can imagine what the relationship there is or what the desired relationship there is. But I don't I don't remember that the show ever gets any more explicit than that. No, I, I think that's uh, it's a that's good entendre. I mean, I think the mm -hmm. deafness again it works for the show. Mm -hmm. They could have easily gotten into, and there is the wonderful scene between Giles and and Walsh. Yes. but they could have easily gotten into like Giles' relationship with Buffy mm -hmm. and Walsh's relationship with Riley and the oh you man, know, you know how how they compare and contrast. Um, but you know, in in typical Joss and Company fashion, you know, he goes for the death surprise. <laughs> yeah yeah um, and it is i remember that being a genuine shock because they were really building um walsh up yeah and i can't remember uh again my memory of my first watch is colored by 20 years of of hard living or whatever yeah. but uh i can't remember what my knowledge of Lindsay kraus was at the time but she was she was a name actor yeah. at the time right like yeah. like when she yeah. popped up i feel like i recognized her i knew her i feel like there was some sort of uh meta significance to her having been cast in that role and so that just 
added to the surprise when, oh my God, they just killed Lindsey Krause in the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, back to the slow motion sex thing and yeah. the, the, uh, the, yeah, exactly. Let's just, let's spend some time here. Um, but you pointed out that in the fight portion of that montage, when it wraps up, Buffy turns to Riley and says, so what do you want to do now? Uh, the implication being, oh, well, that slow motion sex we just watched is what they do now. Right. Uh, it's interesting that this is just two episodes before we uh, before Faith comes back. Yeah. And Buffy seems to be taking a taking a spin into Faith's idiosyncrasies here. Like Faith was all about the. Don't, don't you like the rough and tumble right after a yeah yeah exactly and buffy was was um horrified at that <laughs> suggestion yeah. and now clearly she's she's kind of into that well interestingly i think much like when bad girls and consequences which is to me another two-parter mm-hmm. um hit in season three um it's interesting that ian team and goodbye iowa hit at the same point this season I think they're one episode numerically apart. Mm-hmm. I think Bad Girls and Consequences was 1415. I and Team and Goodbye Iowa are 1314, I think. Bad Girls was 14, Consequences 15, yeah. Yeah. So we're so we're basically at the same point in the season. Um, and two seasons in a row, we get this two-part mini movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, and it changes the season. Um and then it's interesting that the very next episode, Faith's back. Yeah. Um, and Joss and company do this left turn out of saying, hey, here, we're going to completely change your entire world. But then the very next episode, it's like, oh, we're not going to continue this. The last time after Bad Girls and Consequences, we got Doppelgangland, which I love. Yeah. And in this, we get the turn of, oh, hey, Faith's back. So now you have to deal with XYZ on top of Adam, you just learned about this, but I'm going to throw more at you. Right. And, and in both, both those examples, um, like, like the faith return, the body swapping, that's, that's kind of, I mean, that's thematically similar to a doppelgangland kind of thing. That's the whole notion of we're seeing familiar characters behave in unfamiliar ways. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting that we're, we're kind of seeing this. It, It happened in, season three and we're seeing it again in season four. It just, it, it struck me as interesting. Yeah. Um, so uh, you already kind of touched upon the whole institutions versus individuals idea, which is running through this a little bit through this season and is made kind of explicit here with the whole Riley really doesn't ask questions and that's all Buffy does. Um, yeah. Well, and she makes a very, somebody says very specifically, I forget. I think it's, um, it must be Walsh or something, but they talk about behavior modification and that strikes that nerve with Buffy of like, you're what now? Yeah. 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 It's a, um, yeah. The uh, subterrestrial modification protocol or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're very heavily sort of saying, Hey, we at the initiative do this, do things differently. And one of the things is, is that we keep control over the HSTs. But I think what they're saying there is they're setting up, Hey, we take, we keep control over our own and mm-hmm. that's setting up, you know, that Riley was dependent on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it goes all the way back to graduation of, 
uh, Buffy saying, I can't, I can't imagine England can see which way I'm facing. You know, he <laughs> yeah. has always gone against, Oh, you, you think you want me to do this? Well, I'm going to go and, and do that. That's yeah. always been a, a chord strike with her. Yeah. Not in a bad way. That's what makes her, her, you know? Yeah, no, it's, uh, that's good. Um, did Walsh's, uh, Buffy trap seem preposterously stupid and ill-conceived to you or is it just me? Yes. But, you know, but again, I think they were going for the deafness of it. It's like, once we've made this point, once we've said Walsh is a bad guy, um, and has gone after her, let's move on. Let's not have that play out over six episodes. So I think kind of no matter what they did, they just had to go, what's very clear to the audience and therefore would be clear enough to pitch to Riley so that he believes it. Um, and I think, you know, I do love the moment that she appears on the, on the video monitor oh, behind, yeah. behind Lindsay. Yes. I agree. So I, I think as, as silly as the, as the, um, I can't think of their names, but the, the demon fight is the Pogara Pogara. Uh, the, Polgaro was the one with the arm spikes. I can't remember well, if they, the ever, I don't know Switch. if they ever even named the, the, yeah. yeah, the Cthulhu guys. Yeah. But I mean, as, as silly as that moment is, it does all of the right pieces of information. It does its job mm-hmm. in, she knows she was set up. She's able to get out of it. They had to set up the camera um, that she would have on her and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even like the little fake death you know, where Buffy's, you know, uh, a heart rate goes away mm-hmm. and, and Lindsay thinks that she's safe and blah, blah. I think it works. I think if I, you just kind of pull it apart and go plot wise, are we getting everything that we need in, in all of three minutes or whatever it is? Sure. But you know, I, she... <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things about that little, uh, that fake out that they did is um, the, the, they only let the fake out sit for a second or so, yeah. which is great because when it cut, the way we find out that that was a fake out is not a big dramatic reveal with a musical stinger placed on it or anything. It's just, we cut back to the fight and the camera shows, Oh, there's her little, her com cam is just laying on the ground. That's why it looked like she had fallen over Uh, and she's just still in the middle of the fight. And uh, so, yeah, Yeah. it, it allows us to be shocked um, for, yeah, for, for a moment. And then we just cut back to the fight and everything's normal, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it works just, just in terms of we get everything that we need out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure they were thinking in the writer's room, how do we make this as fast as possible? And how do we make it so that Riley has something tangible to believe? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the only way is that there was literally a, a, a video record of it. And he sees, she can say, sorry, Riley, Buffy's dead. And then boom, she's there. Yeah. And you go, all right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, watching it five times, does it bug me? Yeah. I remember that first time, though, when she came on the video monitor and she was like, oh, well, he messed up. Um, and and that was a really, really, really powerful moment for for Buffy as a character. Yeah. Um, so like I said, we've, we've kind of been talking about both episodes at the same time but let's uh, let's transition a little more into the next one now the the goodbye iowa um where um the stuff hits the fan yeah um so this is the one where oh oh yeah so the the end of the last one was um 
Walsh getting killed. Yep. Um, and now it's it's us, and by us I mean Riley and the gang dealing with the repercussions of that. I I, I haven't gotten as much uh, pushback. I haven't been called out for this as often as I would have expected to be. So I'll give my listeners another chance. I'm just going to poke fun at Marty Noxon one more time because <laughs> Marty Noxon is the the um, listed writer for this episode. Yeah. And I'm just going to tease and say Marty Noxon missed the the sort of uh, the, the sex episode by that much. She just missed it. Um, I, I, I kid because I air quotes love <laughs> the whole Marty Noxon trope of it seemed like she was the writer that was always given the weird, uncomfortable sex episodes. But yeah, and I, and I think that's one of the, the, the genuine nods that Joss always gives Marty is that when she was brought on, I think it's season three, doesn't matter. But when she was brought on, he really liked that she was bringing a lot of kind of dark, um, dark, sexy witchcraft. Like she was bringing a lot of that to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's, you know, it's no secret. I'm not a huge fan of season six and that's the one that she ran. So yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I, I have this little, there's always an asterisk next to Marty Noxon's name yeah. um, on Buffy, but yeah. Um, uh, so the first thing I want to ask you is the, I think it's pretty early in the episode when uh, they're sitting around at Giles and Giles is like, don't worry. The, those soldier boys are never yeah. going to come here. And then Riley bursts in, right. um, in that whole, that's, that's funny in that whole scene uh Riley who's desperately looking for a way out of this moral conundrum he throws out the suggestion that well you know maybe she was just testing you maybe she was yeah. she was running some kind of test on you buffy and i again don't remember what my initial reaction on first viewing of this was but this time i just had a little there was a little catch in my a, a little sort of skip in my heart as i was like oh too soon riley not that riley would know anything about this but i was thinking i was expecting the camera to cut to giles and for him to have a really pained expression on his face because i immediately was thinking of the whole i can't remember the episode name all of a sudden but uh when when uh travers came and they did the whole cruciamentum test on buffy where they took away where giles took her powers away from her and set her in a situation very similar to this oh yeah her her 18th birthday something yeah yeah um which I feel like is still, I mean, obviously the characters in the context of the show, the characters have moved on, but I still expect that to be a tender subject. And so he threw that out there and I was kind of waiting for Buffy and, and Giles to sort of just share a side eye glance at each other and completely didn't happen at all. You know, that's funny. I, I, I had not thought about that when he said test, mm-hmm. um, but that's a, that's a very good point. Um, I, I do like when they wake up, Right after sex, sorry, I'm backing up an episode, but just oh, no. there is that there is that moment where she kind of quickly panics and looks to see that Riley is still there, yeah. which is which is a little bit of a callback to innocence because Angel wasn't there when right. she woke up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, occasionally they do nice callbacks, and I think you're right; they missed one there. Or I'm just more hung up on it than they were. <laughs> than anyone in the show is which is fine no, and it, and it's funny because i because i do think that there is a looped line there when buffy's 
Buffy's backs to the camera and she's talking to Riley and there is this very quick, you know, it wasn't a test. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a looped line to, to be like, nope, we know this. We're not suggesting that Riley is just going through this little conundrum. Um, but we need to make it clear that the Scoobies know that, you know, um, this, this is worse than anybody thought that it was. Yeah. Um, um Oh, we also get the spike, the spike thumbs up. Thumbs so, up. Yeah. <laughs> it is awesome. It is awesome. Um, uh, so the Frankenstein scene, there's, I mean, there are plenty yeah. of Frankenstein scenes and, and parallels to be drawn here, but the, the Frankenstein scene, um, yeah. one of the things I like, my favorite thing about that scene, I'm sure I'm far from the only one. I'm not breaking new ground here, but my favorite thing is the, the, bit of dialogue where he's where adam asks the kid what am i and the yeah. kid says you're a monster and adam says i thought so mm-hmm. that's fantastic fantastic yeah. i love that whole he's told that he's a monster and so he is uh the the input output thing i yeah. <laughs> i i love that so i i kind of wanted to ask because i have mixed feelings on this I, clearly i've i wanted the show to do more with walsh but how do you feel about the losing Walsh as the quote unquote big bad and replacing her with Adam? I know Adam is not particularly a popular uh, character in terms of big bads, but uh, yeah. just uh, big bads in general. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, people, I feel like most people put him at the bottom of the list. A lot of, I'm just saying people t- don't tend to be a fan of the character of Adam. Um, so, I guess where I'm going with this is I have all of this. I see all this untapped potential in the storylines they could have done with Walsh if they had kept her around longer. Um, But I also feel like the theme, like the character of Adam uh, contextually, I feel like he serves the, the metaphor of the season better. So my, my thought is I would have loved it if we could have had Walsh for a longer period of time. And if Adam could have been more in the background and had only become the big bad much closer to the end. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like there's a, it, it was good to get away from Walsh and focus on Adam? No, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's two different things. One, like I said, kind of before, I think they, they wanted to personify the initiative into something that Buffy could kick. Right. Um, and if they got too far down a rabbit hole of, you know, a big corporation, big establishment bad. And this is kind of what I was saying about the whole winter soldier thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is is that very clearly could have been where they went. But I think in killing Walsh and even taking out Engelman or whatever the scientist's name is fairly soon, I mean, he's kind of out of the picture. You, I think we, the audience, have to assume that the initiative is, is circling its wagons and having to deal with you know much bigger problems of, of what do they do about the HSTs? Oh, my God, Walsh has been killed. All of, Some of our secrets are getting out. And then we, the Scooby gang, can focus on this you know, typical for the show, big bad of there is a personified monster in in Adam. So Adam isn't as cool as the mayor, who's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but he's somewhere in between, you know, the master. Not, I don't mean on my list, but I mean, like, if you think of the master as being this personification of vampirism and Adam is now this personification of what if the government was trying to take care of demons and monsters by themselves it keeps in the lore of the show for like i said just something for buffy to kick yeah instead of instead of like oh i have to go you know and take down 
this corporation alias style. You know, I don't think the show was going to go there. Despite that being very interesting, I loved Alias. You know, but that was yeah. a much that would be a much that would be the level that we would have to get into if we were to buy that the initiative is 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 as thwarting as as they say they are and as we believe them to be. Which so I I now I now wish that um, uh, I could live in multiple realities, and some people would say that I. I am living in multiple realities. Let me say, I wish that I could be aware of living in multiple realities because I would, I, like I said, I'm a bigger fan of season four than a lot of people. So I enjoy what we get, but I would, I would also like to see the version of season four that follows that much more cerebral um, winter soldier sort yeah. of plot line. Um, yeah. They're just, there are and so many story that. possibilities that I wish I had the means to see, but uh I, I don't want to take away what from what we actually got. But. And I don't know this, but that could have very well been what Joss wanted to do with Dollhouse. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, but I think Joss and company are pretty good in general about turning the big bad on its head. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the master is pretty straightforward, but you do have the anointed one as this sort of asterisk over him. Then the anointed one carries into season two until Spike does his thing and Spike and Drusilla or set up as the big bad until really it turns out to be Angel or, right. or or Angelus. Then it's the mayor who's pretty straightforward. Although the turn there is that is when Faith turns bad. You know she and Buffy have the really big fight, um, and then we get to Professor Walsh and the Initiative, um, with whom, you know, as we've said, I think you're expecting that dollhouse esque brouhaha, but then nope, it turns into this Full Metal Jacket Frankenstein. Um, you know, and then even he's resolved in the penultimate and we get restless. Um, yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll stop with this season, but, you know, they are, I, I think they're constantly turning the big bad on its head in, you know, what they hope are interesting ways. And I think that you know, overall they are, even though you look at Adam and you go, I don't know. <laughs> he's, put, he's putting the three and a half inch floppy disk into his chest and you're like, whatever. That was, that was, I, I let it go. I let it go. It was, it was a little weird to see him just shove one disc in after another. I was like, what happened to the yeah. first disc? That he yeah, you didn't eject the first disc. Um, oh, we're old. But, um, but I think overall they, they are trying to, they have a good sense of, of keeping us fresh. You know, they don't introduce Adam in the second episode of this season. They really build up Walsh and then pull that away. And then over the course of the next, it's only, what, six episodes? I think so, yeah. After this, that he's peppered, and two of them are faith-heavy episodes. You know, so he is, even when he's introduced, kind of kept in the background until there's, you know, like I said, there's the the the, um, the, sh the showdown. And even that's the penultimate episode because Joss was way more interested in, in Restless. Yeah. And thank God for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. So it's a fascinating, again, we need to talk about these episodes, but just looking ahead, looking further down the line in this season. Um, no, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and wrap it into what's already going on in the season. I, I was going to talk about the idea that uh, the season wraps up with Buffy becoming a composite, basically like the Scooby game. Yeah. Blends themselves into one comp composite uh, character, which is kind of what Adam is. But at this point in the show, I think what we're seeing is visually, physically on camera, Adam is a, a patchwork character. Um, mm -hmm. So he's multiple things 
built into one form uh but he is still searching for identity like identity is something that's going through the season at this point and particularly in these episodes uh uh i just i just lost his name riley uh is actually losing his identity right now adam is very openly searching for his identity he's trying to learn who he is um and the scooby gang is in the midst of falling apart seemingly and and fracturing and so no, and in, you're absolutely right, and including, um, you know, our stalwart anchor, Giles. I mean, we just yeah. saw him go through it with New Man. Yeah. Like, am, am I needed anymore? What am I doing with my life um, now? And he even gets it kind of ripped away by, seemingly by Buffy and her friends, and mm-hmm. then, you know, very poignantly, academically, by Walsh. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, oh, there's, you know, she's, she misses, a, she has an absentee father figure or whatever. And, and that, that hurts us with Giles far more than Buffy's dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but yes, I mean, you're absolutely right. Everybody is going through who am I, where am I in this puzzle right now? Um, and, and then that's personified by, by Adam. Um, and again, I think if they'd gone down the, that, that route for the rest of the season, you know, it would have been Dollhouse, and Dollhouse does the exact same thing of amalgamating see, personalities and blah blah blah. And that's where Joss, I think, gets to play with that. See, you were doing your your damnedest to get me to revisit Dollhouse, which is also yeah. something that I I did not love as much as I hoped to, and I've only watched it through the once on its original airing, and have never revisited. So. <laughs> Clearly, I keep talking about all this stuff that I kind of wish we were getting in season four. And you're like, yeah, that's Dollhouse. And I'm like, damn it. I'm going <laughs> to have to go rewatch Dollhouse, aren't I? Um, so I think it's weird. Uh, or let me ask you, what <laughs> what do you think about the fact that like Maggie Walsh uh, very clearly is uncomfortable with or just openly despises the notion of like people asking questions? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and yet the creature that she, that, that is her masterpiece, uh, her, her Frankenstein's monster, yeah. um, is like <laughs> so inquisitive. Like he is, he rises off the table asking a question and, and like, that's all he does is question and seek answers. Yeah. That probably would have driven her nuts. I, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, a, it was a mercy I, I, killing. But I think, <laughs> yeah, but I do think that she loves the idea of mothering. And I think that's the takeaway there yeah. is, is she, she may have even at the time of beginning Adams seen something in O'Reilly is growing up. I'm going to turn what I was mothering in Riley into literally building my own Riley in Adam. Oh, that is good. That is good stuff. She even says she walks into that room and she's like, how's our baby? Yeah. Um, so I, I think she, she, and again, it, I, it gets into the whole Manchurian candidate saying of her watching Riley and Buffy, but I think she likes being mother. And in fact, I think when Riley and, and the guys get paged at one point, doesn't Riley say like mother needs us? Yeah. He calls her mother, which, yeah. which, which I, is super weird. I guess it's supposed to be like her, her call sign or whatever when you're in public. I guess. <laughs> Maybe. But, I don't know. But like yeah, Buffy, I, Buffy didn't even bat an eyelash at it, but I was like, what? Yeah. And then, then there is the nice moment in, in Iowa where he's like, she was not my mother. I had a mother. Yeah, I have a yeah. real mother, you know? So that is, 
you know, as he starts to go through the physical withdrawal, he is is sort of figuratively and literally getting ripped away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is no chance. And one thing I do like about Walsh's death is there's no chance for explanation. Right. Because Engelman doesn't give anything. I mean, you know, he's just kind of a pawn. So not only does Riley get taken away from something, there is no chance of him going back and saying and beating her up, begging for information. There's nothing. Right. There's no there's no closure. I can't I can't remember what comes in the rest of the season. But uh, in at the end of uh, Goodbye, Iowa, there is the shot of Adam waving that one disc and you can't quite make out what it what the name on the disc is but he the implication is this is the disc that has all the answers like do you want to know what she had in mind what the end of our story is or whatever um and then the fight starts and we never see we, we don't find out what's on that disc i can't remember if like riley i don't think he does but i can't remember if riley ever gets any of those answers if there's ever any kind of closure for him with what was going on in walsh's head but it felt like adam and that disc was sort of waving that under his nose yeah um and i think i think the non-closure works it it actually what drives him a little bit crazy for being normal Mm -hmm. um and then even drives him into the whole vampire thing which is ultimately, I think, what splits them up, and then he's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I need, I need to go back and be soldier guy," mm-hmm. um, because you know, inevitably, he goes back to the only thing that he knows. Despite, you know, again, I think really trying with Buffy, and I in this rewatch, I like him more, mm-hmm. but but they are they are different, um, and I, and where I think Buffy kind of can't deal with it initially, he's the one that then just says, "I need to leave." Yeah. Um, is it, is it, well, never mind. I don't know. That's season five. I don't want to jump to that. I, I was yep. going to say, is it so-and-so that does that? But anyways, um, so I want, because this is the kind of silly little detail that I always think is important. Like I always drill down into this stuff whenever I'm watching any piece of pop culture. Uh, but because it's the Whedon verse, oftentimes I'm right. Like I mean, or I should say, oftentimes there is something to dive into something to drill down into. Um, the the Looney Tunes cartoon, the Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner cartoon that they're watching, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I desperately, desperately tried to figure out which, like specifically which one that was, mm-hmm. and uh, the only citations I could find for it online point to you know we think it was this episode, and then so I went and watched that episode that they thought it was. It wasn't. That was absolutely not it. I don't know why they couldn't fact check that information, <laughs> and why so many people cite that episode when you can watch it, and clearly that's not it. But whatever. I wanted to identify it to say, oh, does that episode of the Roadrunner cartoon thematically speak to what's going on? Because of course it does. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, but I couldn't figure out what episode it was. So the only thing I've got here is that the, um, the I guess the overarching theme, if you could say that the Coyote and Roadrunner cartoons have a theme, is that the Coyote relies on technology too much. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that technology always turns on him in the end. And Buffy even has the line where she says that would never happen. Um, But I think the point that maybe is being made or I'm imagining is being made here is that, um, yeah, it, it, it would happen and it does happen. It's going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. That's a a very interesting point and subtle. I mean, it's not, it's not like you have to totally rabbit hole that, yeah. But you, but it's easy to see, like, oh, look how simplified this was there, you know, 
Uh, and even like to your point, Buffy's like, um, she's overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was the. Or it could just be a WB show and well, WB yeah. would have had rights to. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's that's probably that's probably the more likely <laughs> explanation. Um, uh, what else have we got? And did nobody, you know, did, did nobody think to mention band candy when Xander is trying to sell right? the energy bars? Right. Like, no, did, did nobody say, uh, Xander, where did you get those? And yeah. Why? I'm not biting into this. <laughs> I know. And, and Giles just takes a big old mouth, mouthful yeah. of one of those things. Like, oh, well, Giles. Well, he had fun last time. <laughs> well, yeah. But that, that just always, I was like, really? You guys had a whole episode about candy bars and now there's not even a mention of it but that just i don't know that was an aside um we should mention i've had a couple other things here in my notes but before i get too far we should mention uh that uh, willie the snitch is back for the first time and i don't know how long it's been a while yeah since we've seen Willie's him place. and uh i think this is his last appearance could be i, think. I don't remember if if when they're doing the whole if we see him when they're all the whole town is trying to escape if, if, he, if he makes up a, a pop-up. Oh, way, yeah, way, I have way, no way, idea. I remember. I have no I idea. But, uh, um, but yeah. I also keep thinking that he was a character that popped up in Angel over on Angel, but that is not true. There's a there, Angel has its own version of Willie, um, and I have stuff that I want to say about what happens with that whole character on Angel, but uh, that's, that's further down the line. Um, Okay, so let's. See. Yeah, I think it, I think it was interesting that you that you made the conscious choice to, I know, not do Angel simultaneously. I know it's it's a it's do it's a thing I and my listeners <laughs> waffle on all the time, but I, I'm in it now. I'm I'm settled on that, and uh, yeah. as I've said, Angel is really where I'm trying to get to. So, uh, I, I love I love Buffy. Give give all respect to Buffy, but man, Angel is the light at the end of the tunnel for me. Yeah, I mean the the first three seasons are mm-hmm. genuinely amazing. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you. I don't know if this is a thing you noticed, um, or the spanking. The what? The spanking. Okay, that wasn't what I was going to ask, but you noticed no. it, so yeah. <laughs> Everyone's getting spanked but me. Yeah. yeah. Um, it no. always reminds me of of the juice box joke when he when he flips the cards. Yes. Um, and he does the juice box joke, which I love that they put into the main title sequence because the juice the juice box joke is one of my favorites. Yes, it's great. Ever. And anyway, the spanking and him flipping the cards is that, made me you know made me laugh out loud and, and still does after multiple viewings. Yes, it is. So Xander often gets to be gets to have the sort of pratfall pratfall <laughs> physical comedy moment in these episodes, yeah. and that one was pulled off uh, yep. <laughs> better than than a lot of them. I mean, it was. It was perfect. I loved it. Yeah. I also laughed out loud. Now I was going to ask you about the weird um, framing, not framing as in like editing, but like literally in my notes, I pointed out um, in goodbye, Iowa, it happens for a couple of the camera shots in the scene when Riley is talking with Buffy after Walsh's death. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple shots where, the camera it's like it's shooting through it's almost like it's meant to look like you're looking through a telescope because the edges of the camera or the edges of the frame are rounded 
Yeah. And then it'll cut to another shot. It'll cut to a different angle and the camera and the frame is back to normal. And it is so noticeable. It's so completely noticeable that I was like, what in the, what in the hell is going on? And yeah, then honestly, I think that's cause you're watching on Hulu. Oh, really? The, yeah. the only other place I noticed it was actually the very first shot or the, the very first like post post opening title shot, yeah. uh, the establishing shot of UC Sunnydale in, uh, uh, the I and team had the same thing. And yeah. I, and, uh, I didn't, I hadn't even thought of the whole, um, Hulu thing. No. Yeah. It's it, honestly, that's, we call that vignetting. Okay. Um, and it, it's usually, it usually happens on, on extremely wide shots ah. and it's because you're actually seeing the aperture of the camera. Yeah. That's uh, what it looked like. It's, it is, it is most likely a mistake. I noticed it. It's funny. I didn't notice it in this episode, but I remember seeing it in that wide shot of the school and you typically see it on really, really wide shots because they're opening up the camera as far as possible. Mm -hmm. And what they should have done is just gone ahead and shot that way and then pushed in whatever it is, the 3% to get rid of that. Yeah. Well, but I've noticed a few things on Hulu, um, that I'm like, Oh, we're not supposed to see that. This is, this is a mistake. And I think uh, even some of it is like with the first the first couple seasons when the show originally aired 133, when it originally aired squared, and then Hulu opened it wide, mm -hmm. you we started to see like camera equipment on the side. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you see like boom mics and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. That's, that's a Hulu thing. Yeah, well, damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, well, Sorry, that's my, that's my post-production brain. Over no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't think it had any deeper meaning. I figured it was some sort of just a technical snafu, but it happened a couple times, and I was like, it seemed to me like the kind of thing that an editor should have caught. I didn't even think of the whole yeah. uh, Hulu thing. It, it, it probably did not originally air that way, no. um, and somehow somebody got hold of certain masters now mm -hmm. um, for, for syndication, and it just it happens. I remember there's a there's a in whatever the episode's called right after the body, um, and I remember specifically seeing a, quite a bit of set of of the set in in Joyce's house. Yeah, that's uh, the episode after the body. You said, yeah, uh, that's I, forever written and directed by Marty Noxon. Well, there you go. See, you can just pack one more thing. Oh one my one gosh, I am gonna get I'm gonna get so much trouble. Um. All right. But I, I remember I was like, "Ooh, that was the first time that I noticed uh, an issue with the Hulu yeah. errors." But um, all right, I've only got a couple of more things. I don't, I don't want. Uh, if there's any big stuff that you think we haven't discussed, please feel free to jump in. But I did want to point out that uh, even in the midst of his his like uh, existential crisis and deep in the throes of uh, chemical withdrawal, Riley accurately pieces together that the Polgara demon has the skewer in its arms and oh, that must be what killed uh, Walsh while everyone else is like, no, it was Buffy. She's been staked clearly. And Riley who has, he keeps looking for desperate uh, excuses. Uh, but that he was like on point with that one. I just thought it was interesting that he, he nailed it there. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. And I honestly, even, I don't know that I would have put together like just the stake thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the fact that the, the bad guys are like, oh, he got pointed or he got killed. Or she got killed. Sorry. With, you know, this wooden pointy thing. Like now, who does that sound like? I went, oh, well, it's kind of a cheap out, but I went, all right. <laughs> well, that was Forrest that came up with that idea. And, uh, so that's another little thing that I had in my notes. I, and in a previous biased, I went, well, sure. I yeah. I yeah. Don't. In a previous episode, I pointed out how I, I, I think I maybe used the word problematic or questionable. I don't know. Worth mentioning, maybe, I guess I should say, that they had Forrest, who is one of the few. Now, we're we're starting to see a few more. There was another one in this episode, but he's one of the very few uh, persons of color with a regular speaking role on the show. And earlier in the season, they had him refer to... uh, demons or whatever the subterrestrials as animals and them or whatever like he was he was speaking to them in that or speaking about them in that kind of disturbingly coded way uh yeah. and and uh he does it again in this episode there's there's another throwaway line in this where he refers to to them as animals um i was like i ugh, i don't <laughs> it's it's a little awkward having forest be the character that they're giving that particular ideology too so yeah, and you could you, you you're reading into the entendre that that's how he's been viewed uh is well I, i'm just i'm just reading into the sort of uncomfortable race coding there i don't sure. i i i, yeah. I don't i'm not sure that there was enough conscious thought put into um the character of forest like what his background is like i don't think it was a deliberate choice because they were like oh forest has always been treated this way so he's going to to you know transpose this onto others i I, my concern is that it was a subconscious it was an unconscious or or unintentional sort of coding switch no totally and i don't think you're wrong um he is the one that kind of becomes more another bad guy right doesn't he become like a second adam i can't remember how far down that that path he goes, but certainly, yes, at, at the moment, it certainly feels like that's where he's going. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, there's, there's the other sort of buddy that, that Riley has, and he's sort of like, Oh, I'm the good initiative. And I uh-huh, think yeah. Like, Oh, I'm the bad initiative. Yeah. You know, and Riley's like the, I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Graham earlier in the episode when, uh, when Buffy is uh, fighting with the initiative, like sparring with them in that, training exercise oh yeah uh forrest is the one that gets up he's all beat up and he just scowls as her at her as he walks by and gray uh i think graham is his name the other the other military buddy yeah. is like uh he's kind of rubbing his shoulder and smiling and he's like good job buffy and walks away yeah. i hadn't thought that they were <laughs> coded as the as the opposite ends with riley in the middle yeah what isn't um, bad i mean you know, again i think it's just clarity speed mm-hmm. and you have to be as, as quick and as clear and as entertaining as you can in TV. And sometimes, you know, tropes happen. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. But again, mm-hmm. I, I kind of think it's, they're better than Buffy does it better than most. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm just going to throw out that uh, Buffy's uh, glasses and hair bun disguise is ridiculous, but also pretty hot. Yeah. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to be superficial and say that I really liked yeah. that look. Yeah. Quick make out with me. She's like, <laughs> What? Would never... <laughs> yeah. Um, you gotta give props to Xander for constantly continuing to try. But I think um, I, I'm trying to, 
I'm heading towards a wrap up here. So if there's anything else you have, uh, please let me know. But we we can't ignore the fact that we get the first kind of official tease that there's something going on with Terra. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we sort of touched on it that it's it's the the spell. The, the the wording of oh I really enjoyed that spell last night I've been thinking about it all day oh no no that's not even what I'm talking about I'm talking about although oh, that yeah. although that does remind me that I I had a little cringe moment at the beginning of I think it was the first episode or uh, uh, the Iron Team uh, when it opens with the poker game was that was that I can't remember which episode that was oh, but yeah because that, that's the spanking yeah the spanking yeah when yeah. Uh, it opens with willow doing that whole uh prayer where she's like uh please bring the heart that i bring me the heart that i desire or whatever and it sounds my thought was "Ooh, that sounds uncomfortably like a love spell that's gonna that's not gonna age well as willow progresses in her storyline but um no i'm talking about something going on with tara i'm talking about like where she hides the dust yeah when she hides the dust and pretends that the spell just didn't work yeah, and I think that doesn't come really back until family. I know. I, I think it's a ways down the line before that ever pays off. Yeah. And I think they were just sort of trying to say, hey, there's something else with Tara here. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then you kind of carry, like, what's what's her motive? And so I really like that they play it off um, with the episode of family um, in that she was just trying to hide from her family. You know, um, and and that which Amy Adams is in, which is kind of bizarre. For real? Yeah, she's in. She's in that episode. That's a that's a Joss written and directed by I think it's season five. Oh my um, gosh, she, she is. Yeah, she plays the cousin. Holy or that, cow! That comes, comes looking for her. That comes looking for uh, Tara. Wow, it's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah, but I think that was that was a, that was a very nice setup, and I think the way that they played it off of of Tara being you know, appropriately sort of quiet and embarrassed and, and, and doing it for Willow was, a, was a nice way to, to twist that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't have any other big points. No, I mean, like, you know, it, it's, it's, this is a, a big turn, you know, um, I think I and team gets all of the sort of fun surprisey stuff, but I think Iowa does a, does a pretty good job of saying, we need to wrap up this little mini movie and hit all of these beats. Um, like I said, for a two-parter, I think it, it does a, a huge left turn in the, in the season pretty well. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, so there we are. We are, I was going to say we're at the midpoint. That's the midpoint, but we're a little past the midpoint. We're, we're in the heading into the home stretch of season four. Cool. Um, and I two really fun episodes coming up. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the next couple of episodes. I'm actually, I think the rest of this season, there there have been some some missteps, maybe beer bad, cough cough, <laughs> earlier in the season. But I yeah. feel like from this point on, I, it's a pretty good ride for the rest of uh, season four, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. Um. So uh, looking forward to that. Agreed. And um. Again, I, I say this literally every time I record an episode. I don't have the document open in front of me, so I don't remember uh, if you've signed up for anything in advance. But uh, I've loved talking with you, Michael. Oh, so you. you're welcome back anytime. Just let me know if there's anything in the future you want to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything that you want to pimp, or do you want to let people know how to reach you, or are you a, a man in hiding? 
No, no. I mean, um, I'm I'm here at Warner Brothers. I look out on uh, Midwest Street. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, get, I get to look out on you know the Music Man and Gilmore Girls, and it's the church from the Lost Boys, and it's the high school from Pretty Little Oh my Pretty gosh! Uh, humble brag. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm I'm here at Warner Brothers. If anybody wants to come by and say hi, um, <laughs> otherwise you can you know uh, Blogspot Holland Imaginarium um, is where I tend to to uh, talk about a bunch of different things if anybody is so inclined. Um, but uh, no, this is all about Buffy and uh, my sincere thanks for having me here again. You're a good man, Michael. Thanks for, thanks for being you. I, I try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you listening at home, you're all good people too. Thank you for uh, indulging me in this uh, vanity project of mine. Uh, you can find links to this and all of the past episodes at the website conswithdead.com, or you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, please rate us or write us a review. Help me stand out from the super crowded uh, uh, pack of Buffy and Angel podcast. Actually, mostly Buffy. There's really hardly any angels. So I feel like when I get to Angel, I will be go. standing out from the crowd. But uh, at any rate, uh, if you have questions for me or any of my guests, or if you'd just like to share your thoughts on anything that we've discussed, uh, please join the conversation. You can drop us an email. As I said a little while ago, conswithdead at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, at conswithdead, or the Facebook group, Conversations with Conversations with Dead People. I never do this on this particular podcast, but I'm going to really quickly pimp some of my other podcasts. Uh, my regular, uh, more or less weekly pop culture podcast is Gobbledygeek. Uh, you can find that at gobbledygeekpodcast.com. Um, I have the Avatar Returns, which is, it's kind of run its course. Um, uh, that's at theavatarreturns.com. And that was a, a rewatch podcast where we watched and reviewed every episode of Avatar, the last airbender and the legend of Korra. Um, I'm super proud of that show. And, uh, as you should be as oh do you listen to that i i have not but oh, okay you, you should be proud of it um well i it's one of the few things that i'm marginally proud of but anyways um i guess that's it uh there may be i may have another podcast project uh a a more creative podcast project coming up in the future but i don't want to jinx myself or it so more about that later um as for this show next week or whenever <laughs> schedule, <laughs> schedule permitting, uh, I will uh, once again be joined by uh, Whedon Studies author and Associate Dean for Faculty, Klingler College of Arts and Sciences at Marquette University, James South. Uh, we're going to be searching for faith in episodes 415, This Year's Girl, and 416, Who Are You? So until then, Gur Arg, everybody. Gur Arg. <laughs> <laughs>